Will Baker, president of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, and welcome to our continuing podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving the Chesapeake Bay. I'm joined today by a visitor from the north. B.J. Small is a CBF's communications and media guru in our Harrisburg office, along with about, what, 20 colleagues, something like about that? 20 about 20 colleagues in Pennsylvania, yes. Very good, mm-hmm. and, and most uh, in the Harrisburg office, but we have staff all up and down the Susquehanna, not, not only working on policy, communications, education, but active restoration, working with farmers, putting in best management practices to reduce the amount of pollution coming down the bay. And that, that's really a hallmark of the team up there, BJ. Yeah, it really is. Our restoration people are spread out up through the, uh, the Susquehanna Basin, and they're the people really on the ground working with farmers and making it happen. Yeah. And that's a, that's a critical part of our work. Now, you have been with CBF for coming on to two years now? It's been about 18 months. Yeah, 18 mm-hmm. months, right. long history in the media markets. Uh, 30 years as a reporter? I do. I have a newspaper background. I was a a sports reporter, news reporter, newspaper editor, and an outdoor columnist. So ink is in my blood. Yeah, a little bit of a a water rat, too. A little bit of a water rat. I really wasn't so much a water rat or a river rat, I I would say, until I got this job and started working in Harrisburg. When you drive over the Susquehanna every day, you get to really appreciate it. And uh, with where we're located in the city of Harrisburg. It makes for a really nice lunchtime walk to go out and, uh, and check on it. You, know, you really good. get to appreciate it even more. But you're, you're what I'd call a, a hook and bullet guy, right? You, a little fishing, a little hunting. Little fishing, little hunting. It's in my blood, uh, family heritage. Uh, so I've long appreciated the value of, of clean water and the environment. Well, hunters and fishermen, as we always say, have been the great conservationists throughout history, really putting time, money, and effort into the, into the resource. You know, when we're really making an effort uh, with our communications in Pennsylvania to reach out to the hook and bullet guys for that very reason. And girls. And girls. <laughs> well, you know, and actually, uh, the ladies are the largest growing uh, aspect of the outdoor world. They're buying more licenses and, and participating more than, more than the guys are, the largest growing number. I'm a hunter-trapper education instructor in Pennsylvania, and the students often are more ladies and kids than, uh, than guys, which, which is great. So we're leaving the sport and the interest to, uh, to, the, to the right people. To the, to the very good. You know. Well, so th- that, you know, what we do want to talk fish today, and particularly smallmouth bass, which have been a keystone species in the Susquehanna forever, not doing as well as we would like. And there is a Clean Water Act term called impaired waters. And there's been a controversy in Pennsylvania for several years as to whether the Susquehanna should be designated as impaired because of a number of reasons. But, but one very stark reason is the impact the river has had on the smallmouth bass population. Give, give us a little right. bit of a background, then we'll try to unpack some of what's going on and where it leads us. The smallmouth bass fishery in Pennsylvania, and specifically on the Susquehanna, has been world-class down through history. But in 2005, diseased and dying smallmouth started to turn up in the Susquehanna. These are fish with lesions and sores, and some have even been found with intersex uh, uh, conditions. Uh, 
that they go from male to female. They show the small mouths show traits of both. Of both. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's there's even been a photo uh, that we've seen of a of a fish with a cancerous tumor mm-hmm. on its lip. Uh, so study has since followed. Uh, CBF's own study in 2013, for example, made the connection between mortality and smallmouth bass, uh, highlighted what's called the, the perfect storm of conditions, low water, um, pollution, nitrogen, phosphorus, sediment, and some other factors. Um, and that kind of set the stage in 2013 for the Department of Environmental Protection, the State Department, makes the recommendation. They come out with the draft list that recommends waters for impairment. And the list in 2014 came out following the study, and the Susquehanna was not included or recommended uh, for impairment at that point. Since then, the DEP has continued to study and last year released, in cooperation with the Fish and Boat Commission in Pennsylvania, a second study that looked at 14 potential causes to try to drill down really what's behind uh, the, the disease and, and death uh, of the smallmouth, and actually did determine that the likely causes are endoc- endocrine disruptors, uh, herbicides, pathogens, and some parasites. These are pharmaceuticals and some other things that, that uh, we introduced to the water. In addition to the nitrogen and phosphorus, you know, this, that we are so concerned about and, and Pennsylvania really needs to act on. And, and that generally, of course, makes it for a more stressful condition for the fish, so they're more likely to succumb or be affected by other factors. That's right. Smallmouth bass tend to be more sensitive than a lot of the other species to pollution. They're the canary in the coal mine, mm. if you will. Mm. And uh, so it really turns up. They make, it, it affects their immune system, makes them more vulnerable to the parasites and, and uh, disease. So the DEP was due to release its 2016 draft list, which came out recently and again did not recommend uh, the Susquehanna for impairment relative to aquatic life, recognizing the struggle that smallmouth bass are, are, uh, are enduring. They did recommend impairment for a four-mile stretch of the river right across from the city of Harrisburg for recreational use. They had found fecal coliform in there, so they made that recommendation. They also included a consumption advisory for a 20-inch uh, channel catfish on the river. But again, these have nothing to do with the smallmouth bass situation. The, uh, that impairment area, the day that the impairment list came out, obviously it's frustrating to all of us because the river has been sick all this time. And impairment is not something that is reserved for absolute um, rare, rare cases of of water pollution. There are 19,000 miles of rivers and streams that are already designated as impaired in in Pennsylvania. Absolutely. And it makes sense then, makes you wonder that if there's 19,000 miles of impaired waterways in Pennsylvania and that water flows into the Susquehanna, why can't we get the similar designation to the Susquehanna? It's a big basin. There's 49,000 miles of waterways. About half of Pennsylvania drains into the Susquehanna. Half, right. And half of the fresh water that goes into the bay, comes into the bay, comes from the Susquehanna, right. which emphasizes how important it is that Pennsylvania get its act together, which would include doing something about the Susquehanna. Now, now, BJ, as you know, well, no, this has been a long and ongoing controversy. When CBF, when we brought our board of trustees up to Harrisburg, 
up to Pennsylvania last fall, John Arway, who's head of the Fish and Boat Commission, spoke to the trustees. And John Arway has always been a very active advocate for the impairment designation. So there have been differing forces inside of Pennsylvania as to whether the river should be impaired. And maybe you could talk a little bit about what impairment would mean. Is that a tool for those who are trying to clean up the river? Uh, what would it be the impact on people who use the river if it is declared impaired? And what's the argument against impairment designation? Well, you know, we're really trying to figure out what DEP's argument, real argument is against impairment after all the study. I mean, the evidence is in. Department of Environmental Protection. Department of Environmental they Protection. They are the agency of the state that has the jurisdiction to designate or not. Absolutely. They make the recommendation. Impairment uh, kickstarts the, you know, uh, the, uh, the, the commitment of resources and planning that, that will fix impaired waterways. In other words, you know, it recognizes we've got a real problem on the record. And it also relates to the, uh, the, the Federal Clean Water Act. Um, so it would commit, say that the state needs to commit to actually do something. And that sounds pretty starts. good because we've long had concerns that not enough resources are being put into cleaning up the Susquehanna. Absolutely. The Susquehanna and Pennsylvania in general, yeah. if we look at it. You know, Pennsylvania is so far behind in meeting its, uh, its clean water blueprint goals for nitrogen, phosphorus, and, and sediment. Declaring an, an impairment on the river uh, send, would send a major signal, you know, and be a key step toward getting the state, getting the Commonwealth back on track. So the Fish and Boat Commission, which really represents those who use the river, uh, been in favor of it, recommended the impairment designation. DEP has been resistant. They did do the four miles near Harrisburg due to fecal coliform for, for, for human contact recreation. Well, what do you think, and, and does DEP give an argument as to why they're not? Are they saying that age-old um, explanation of we need more information, more data, more research? What, what are they saying? It's age old. We need more data. We need more research. We, we heard that back in 2013 and 14. They plan to focus on the tributaries the, uh, the, 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 that feed the Susquehanna to try to drill down on, uh, on the real source of what's going into the river. So they plan to focus on maybe the head of the snake, if you will. Mm -hmm. But again, and in the meantime, it's feeding you know, it continues to feed the Susquehanna. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a, it's, it's a discussion and a controversy that's going to continue now yet another year. Uh, as we sat here a year ago talking about this, here we are again talking about it again. Let's, um, let's wrap up a little bit by talking some, give, give a little bit more information about where Pennsylvania is short on its broader commitments to the Chesapeake Clean Water Blueprint. This is the executive order issued by President Obama to reduce nitrogen, phosphorus, and sediment across all of the Chesapeake Bay states. Pennsylvania, Maryland, Virginia account for about 85% of the watershed, so they're the critical ones. As you say, Pennsylvania supplies, well, Pennsylvania and New York, we should, we should be clear, supply 50% of the fresh water entering the bay. Most of that comes from Pennsylvania. How's Pennsylvania doing, and what are the metrics that we and others are looking at to, to make that judgment? Well, essentially, you know, the, the Clean Water Blueprint, the commitment that Pennsylvania made, 
uh, is measured by what we're calling milestones and the two, 2017 milestone. And the commitment was to have 60% of uh, pollution reduction practices in place, 60% by 2017. Pennsylvania is so far behind uh, the Department of Environmental Protection and, uh, and others have already acknowledged that Pennsylvania is not going to make that milestone. We're not going to meet that. And when I say we, I'm from Pennsylvania, so I have, a, I have a stake in this also. We have to do this together. So the focus now is on the next milestone, which is, 2000, which is uh, 2025, when they're committed to have 100% of those uh, reduction practices in place. And it's going to be a tall order. They've got to uh, really accelerate you know, the nitrogen, phosphorus, and, and, and sediment uh, reductions through you know, uh, better planning, uh, buffers, which, you know, are the most, one of the most cost-effective ways. Money. to And money. You know, the, the, the commitment of leadership and resources is, is really key here. It needs to start at the top. We all have a stake. We all need to do our part. But it really needs to start at the top. And, uh, you know, without the, without the resources, uh, Pennsylvania's own re reboot, its renewed effort, and the Clean Water Blueprint are really, uh, really kind of in peril. The 2025 goal about which you speak is the total amount of reduction, the deadline for reaching the total amount of reduction that scientists say will put the bay back in balance. The bay and all of its rivers and streams, including those in the in the upper upper uh, watershed states. Now. Um, when you look at the nitrogen and phosphorus reductions in sediment, to be clear, we should say that the extraordinarily large gap between where Pennsylvania promised it would be and where it is are based on computer modeling projections. That computer model is the best uh, estuarine watershed model in the world, but that computer model is being ground truth, if you will, by monitoring in the water. Uh, and the U.S. Geological Service uh, is finding some reductions in the creeks and rivers entering the Susquehanna. So we can probably believe and, and have faith in the fact that there is some improvement in the year's worth of work in Pennsylvania to try to reduce pollution coming down the river for the benefit of the river and for the benefit of the bay. But the clarity of the data are such that we know Pennsylvania is way behind. Yeah, absolutely, and um, and I mean that's I mean that's the cold hard truth. And you and and we have heard no um, uh, defensiveness or disagreement by the Wolf administration and the Department of Environmental Protection. Only that they are behind, and they need to catch up. And this is the so-called reboot strategy, right? Which was unveiled at the beginning of 2016, and um, involves. Uh, stepping up farm inspections, uh, uh, planting buffers, you know, to get onto the ground to actually see and make sure that uh, you know agriculture is the leading source of the uh, of the pollution, the runoff. So they really want to focus on on uh, the farming community. So one of the goals is to step up the inspections. And it's really been a carrot and stick approach. Um, a lot of resources are made available to farmers to improve the hydrodynamics of the farm, keep the soil on the land rather than flowing down the river into the bay and all that's attached to it. 
And the United States Department of Agriculture has a role to play. Uh, they have helped states across the country with cost share funding. And I know a big part of our effort is to encourage, <laughs> to lobby, to advocate for USDA to put more money into Pennsylvania, which is so critical to the Bay's health. Right. We have uh, landowners who are on a waiting list who are willing and they want to do these practices. They want to get involved uh, with, with the right support. You know, we could, we're going to see, hopefully, you know, more practices, more farmers come in line. Good. So resources, technical assistance. And if you don't do it, you got to pay the piper. So Absolutely. It, it has to be a carrot and a stick approach as well. Absolutely. And DEP is now, and the Department of Agriculture in Pennsylvania is now committed to the inspections to get the information, to know where the resources need to be put. And I guess I would just end with that last thought that we're finding more and more sophisticated data are available to help us know where to target resources to get the biggest pollution reduction for the bat buck. And that's a, that's a big advance in the last couple of years. It really is. I mean, it's important for, uh, for the Commonwealth to work smart, to make the best use of, of the resources it has, the, the resources that it gets, to be able to target, you know, to, make, to get the best bang for the buck, to go to counties that may be uh, providing some of the largest load, you know, and really get, you know, make the largest difference where it can. You're on the river and the rivers that feed into the Susquehanna a lot. What does it mean to you personally to see, looking out the next 10 to 20 years, get this system back where it should be? Yeah, you know, these are not the rivers and streams that I grew up with, you know, fishing the Willoughby Run, pulling catfish out of there. We weren't, we didn't know, we weren't worried about, uh, you know, the, the, the algae and the, the nitrogen phosphorus and looking at all these blooms. We weren't. Uh, these days, the science tells us it's out there. I, I would hate to see we not get our act together, we as Pennsylvanians, to the point where our kids and, the f and future kids, you know, anglers just like me who go to Willoughby or Run have to worry about the fish that they pull out or, or uh, are they going to fall off their tube and on the yellow breeches? You know, I'd hate to have that be one of the overriding concerns in the future, you know, as youngsters and the next generation go out and enjoy the river, you know, and, uh, and other Pennsylvania waterways. That's why we need to take care of business now. B.J. Small, thanks so much. You're doing Thank a you. great job in Pennsylvania, you and the CBF colleagues, and uh, I, I think we're gonna see a much brighter future ahead with the kind of uh, activism, support, and resources we got, and we at the Chesapeake Bay Foundation and many others have in play in Pennsylvania, so thank you. Thank you, Will, we look forward to it. So for those who want more information, uh, our website is loaded with it, cbf.org. This is Will Baker, president of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. Thanks for listening.